This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, welcome in. Let's talk some Reds baseball for the next hour. This is the Reds Hot Stove League live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser and UDF, along with Tom Brenneman. I'm Tommy Thraw. Great to be with you again, and we've got a lot of excitement yes, to talk about. a lot. We're going to have Nick Crawl on the show a little bit later on, but the guy we've got to kick things off is pretty exciting. It's really exciting. You know, I, I was going down to work out this morning, and I'm walking through the health club, and it's about the fourth time it's happened already this, this winter. And... Uh, all of you tell me if you agree with this. You know, the Reds got it going on right now. I mean, they, they, they really do. They, they, they've got the vibe of the town. Everybody is really excited. And the guy with us tonight, Wade Miley, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh, pr- uh, prejudiced to you because my middle name is Wade. I've always loved that name, Wade. <laughs> but in all seriousness, welcome to the Cincinnati Reds. Announced today, uh, officially a two-year contract. Hopefully a third year will kick into gear down the road. Um, I have no doubt you had other teams that were talking to you. You've had incredible success. You've had incredible consistency of being able to take the ball, never missing a start in Lord knows how many years since you came up with the Diamondbacks. Your thoughts about coming to Cincinnati and why Cincinnati? I just love the city. You know, played here quite a bit, been here, been around. um, I guess I feel like it's one of the cities I've played in every year since 2011. We always make a stop through Cincinnati no matter where I'm at. And, uh, just really like the city, and uh, the fans have been great around here, and just uh, they'll be cheering for me now instead of against me. Hey, <laughs> right, you know? Right, so. right. Well, they didn't have a lot of luck cheering against you because you tell me why. You have had incredible success. What, 11 starts in this ballpark, and you pitched some of the best games you've had in your career in this ballpark that's known as a very hitter-friendly ballpark. I don't have an answer. I just you really don't? Yeah, I Come don't on. Ha- I don't have an answer. I just, it's just some parks are like that, some places are like that. Why here? I don't know, but uh, hopefully it carries over where it works when I'm on this team, this ballpark's still nice to me. You, you've touched on a little bit. We, we've read a lot about what kind of drew you to Cincinnati. Talk about your relationship with Derek Johnson and how much he meant to you while you were with Milwaukee and in the, in the brief time that you guys spent together and how much of a factor did that play and you ended up and you ending up signing here? I've been talking too much about Derek Johnson <laughs> last week. Um, no, he's, he's great. Um, he was uh, more than the pitching coach. I feel like we, we popped off a friendship in Milwaukee. Um, He's a guy I'd always go talk to. I'm, he's an older, a younger team in Milwaukee, and I'm, I'm getting old. I hate to say it. I'm getting older guys. So it's, uh, I would just find DJ. We would just chat amongst things. And just the way, the way he goes about it, the way um, he communicates with the pitchers, and the way, like, individual. Like, everybody, every pitcher's different. And the way he gets his things across, information across to each individual guy, just stuck out to me. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I like him a lot, and um, he did good for me. You use the word different, and every pitcher's different. And in this day and age in baseball, where seemingly everybody is throwing 97, 98, 100 miles an hour, right? And that's not your M.O. Never has been since you came to the big leagues uh, originally with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Explain, if you can, for a guy like you and your pitching style, there's obviously still a place for that kind of style in the game today. What is it that a guy like you brings to the table that maybe – 
some other guys who are out there throwing 97, 98, 100 don't bring to the table? Well, I know it's, it's, it's not fun. I, w I would love to experience what it would be like sure. to just rear back and throw <laughs> on 100. And uh, I just feel like i got to be com – I compete. One thing I can tell you, I'm going to compete. I'm going to give you everything i got, whether it's good or bad. It's, it's going to be all I have that day. Um, I've got to be way more fine with location of pitches. I've got to pick spots and be careful when I go to those spots. And I mean, there's hitters that have weaknesses and strengths. You just got to be careful how you tack guys, whereas the guys that – the flamethrowers in the league today, which is like 80% of guys mm – -hmm. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this real quick. When I first got to the big leagues, I was kind of a power lefty because they were the many hard 90, 92 mile an hour power lefty. And now, nine, ten years later, my velocity is pretty much the same. And now I'm a soft tossing thumber. <laughs> right. I, I hate that. It, people call me a thumbing <laughs> lefty, and it drives me nuts. But well, are, is that something you're able to use to your advantage? Just knowing that, hey, guys, don't see this much anymore. I mean, can can you almost work off that? In play? I think yeah, because timing hitters' timing is everything. So like. Four out of five days or three out of five days, they're facing guys throwing 95-plus. And then you get in there, and I think a lot of my success last year, I was wedged between Verlander and Cole, and then I was throwing after Cole a lot during the year. And those two guys, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, like Gary Cole's throwing 100 mile an hour in the eighth inning, and then right. you get the soft toss and cutter throwing lefty, throwing 85 <laughs> the next night. Like you got a big adjustment you got to make. And uh, so i got to thank those guys for helping me in that department. But. Yeah, it's just, it's just throwing something different at them. How much did being around those guys, when you're, you bring it up, I mean, how much just not, not necessarily pitching in that group, but just being around them? I mean, there's a wealth of pitching knowledge there among that staff. How much did you gain from that? A lot, a lot. Um, just being able to pick brains of Justin Verlander. And this guy's been doing it forever at a very, very high level. He had a, one little rough patch in like 13 or something. And uh, I pick with him about how he's getting old and stuff. And he, <laughs> just to go out and be as consistent as he was and do the things he did. And be able to, like, like I said, be able to pick his brain and learn the way he thinks out there because he's doing it with different stuff now. Like his, his velocity, he doesn't have the same fastball he had seven, eight years ago. And he's still getting outs and still getting swing and misses on his fastball. So he, he taught me a lot about when to throw it and why to throw it, like stuff like that. I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but very, very – blessed to be able to just spend a season with, with him and uh, learning from him. And Garrett Cole, same way. You know, you, you look at that rotation, and obviously he was considered among the very, very best. You included a big part of that uh, in Houston last year. And, and now all of a sudden you're coming to a Reds rotation where there are a lot of people that are starting to look with the addition of you coming on board at this being one of the premier rotations in the National League, if not all of Major League Baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the one name that sticks out to me is Sonny Gray. Um, high commodity out of Vanderbilt. First-round first pick. Yep. For, with Derek Johnson. I mean, keep saying his name, but um, <laughs> just blew through the league early on. Was so good in Oakland. Hit a little struggle, and, he, and he's getting back, and it's, it's been great to see him be successful again. And then Trevor Bauer is another guy. I was fortunate enough to play with Trevor in the minor leagues a little bit and then in Arizona in the big leagues. And, and I was saying earlier, and like I played with him when he first came up, and He's got his, his, his own certain ways sure. he goes about things, and a lot of guys didn't want to accept that coming in. And, uh, and I'm, I can, I'm one of them. I, he's like, I'm, i got to pitch up in the zone. I'm like, no, dude, you got to pitch down in the zone. But he's smarter than I am because <laughs> three years later, the fastball up was way to go. And uh, <laughs> so i got to tip my hat to Trevor. But it, I just think it's going to be fun to get information from him, like the way he goes about what he does and, and the way he prepares and the way he thinks. Just any little bit helps. Going off that and, and kind of building off what Tom said to, to start – this conversation off obviously the the fan energy for this team and the enthusiasm for this group is is palpable uh, as a free agent and as a player 
um, looking at where to sign. I mean, do you guys kind of share that and feel that same enthusiasm and, and realize, hey, this is a team that's making some moves here. That, that'd be a pretty good landing spot. I mean, what's that like from your perspective? That's what I look at. I want to win. So I'm at the telling my career. I know Tom, my agent, hates to hear this. And <laughs> I, I think my wife might be excited to hear it. But I'm at the end of, uh, of this journey. I've been blessed to be on it. But I want to be on a winner. So, I mean, that, that had a lot to do with me picking Houston last year close to home and they're a really talented team and you just we watch we watch MLB Network we see we see everything and uh the mark the Reds made I mean and then the offseason they're having right now going and signing guys they're close they're really close to just just learning how to win and, and understanding what winning is and how, how to go about it I think they're really close to being a really good team well certainly uh exciting to have you on board and, and like Tom said welcome to Cincinnati we look forward to seeing a lot more of you we've got more to talk about if you're willing to stick around a little yeah. longer if that's all right yep. Thank you. More with uh, Wade Miley coming up. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser and UDF. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League show. We are live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser and UDF. And the Holy Grail Banks and Budweiser are proud sponsors of the Reds Hot Stove League. Grab your buds for our next show Thursday. That's Thursday. Thursday next week, not Wednesday, Thursday, December 26th. Specials on Bud and Bud Light Buckets right here at the Holy Grail Bank, Cincinnati's home for sports. We continue our conversation with the newest Red, Wade Miley. And uh, certainly great to have you here and, and really appreciate you. You signed officially today. Thanks for coming over and joining us. And we're talking about kind of the way things ended for you last year. I'm sure that didn't leave a great taste in your mouth. And it, it, when you go through the success that you had at the start of the season, the way things ended, how long does it take for you to kind of decompress at the end of a season, regroup, and then jump right back into it and go, all right, let's figure things out and let's get back on track? I, mean, I, spent, a lot of I spent a lot of time thinking um, after the throughout the World Series. I wasn't on the roster throughout the postseason. And uh, so, I mean, I spent a lot of time reflecting, like I was telling Ken Rosenthal last night on an interview, like what could have been, like what if, what if, what if this wouldn't have happened, but – the sooner you can get over that stuff and move on, the better. And um, I'm just looking forward to moving past. Like I, Monday, I start my throwing program again, and um, pretty clear head, and hopefully we can get back head in the right direction. That you know, but you're trying to interrupt. So yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. You finish up. No, I was going to say that article obviously talked a lot about uh, tipping pitches. Was it just that, or were there some other things that you've been able to pick up on? I think there was there was more more than just the tipping. I think the tipping is a huge part of it. Anytime you give a major league hitter any cue at all about what might be coming, or or, or just any idea the advantage for them goes up a little bit. But I, I think um, I was I was ma making some mistakes, leaving balls up in the zone. And I think that all goes back to mechanical flaws and stuff like that. Just kind of creep up throughout the year. I was, I was a little bit tired. Uh, and just I got to prepare a little better, do a little more work in the offseason. The older I get, the more I got to do a little more work each each offseason to uh, get through a full season. So that's on me. And it's, uh, I'm in the process of fixing that right now. So hopefully uh, – you stay stronger through September this year. When, when, when you hear things about tipping pitches, I'm curious, and from time to time you'll hear this about a number of different pitchers on any given year and whatever it might be, and they go through this, they go through that. Okay, here's the reason why it happened and blah, blah, blah. We had a little bit of that with the Reds this, this past year with Trevor Bauer. Right. Um, are you able to go back? I'm just curious. Are you able to go back, and, and did you actually see any evidence when you're watching yourself that you thought you might be doing that? I did once it was you brought did. To, okay. once it was brought right. to my attention and uh, I because I mean I looked I looked for everything because sure. I, I was lost I could I literally couldn't get out the first inning I, I mean it was like what just happened I just went from having the best year of my career to literally not getting a guy out and uh, 
So I was searching, and your confidence goes away, and just it, you get to a pretty dark place. But um, the more I looked and couldn't find nothing, I'm like, what is going on? And then when, it, when I got tipped off that maybe I was doing something with my glove and, and was showed what I was doing, I was just like, and it's not 100% of the time. It's 80% it's of the time I'm doing it, but 80% of the right, time it's say, pretty good odds a, for It's four out of five pitches, and right. all of a sudden the guy's going to hit it. Right, right. right. So, um, and that goes all the way back to the velocity and throwing hard, like, Maybe a guy throwing 100 or 98, 95, whatever it is, they got a little better chance of Get getting away, away with, with yep. some stuff. Where yep. like, I got to be more fine and and stuff like that. What difference between the American League and the National League? And I know there are a lot of crossovers now, but the, at the end of the day, with a DH, without a DH, you've pitched in both uh, a couple of different times now. Is there still a significant difference? I don't think it's much anymore. I think four or five years ago, yes. The bangers were in the American League. Like, those guys were wanting to hit homers. They, they, a lot more strikeouts, but then they are looking to do damage one through nine. Where the National League was more, is the reason I like it, was more real baseball. Like, what I think baseball is, hitting behind runners, mm -hmm. playing the whole game. Where it's kind of now, it's, it's, I feel like it's merging together. And yep. you kind of get a little bit of old school baseball in the postseason. But throughout the year, it's, it's see how far I can hit it, swing hard. There's no more 0-2, put the ball in play. <laughs> Right, no hit and run, stolen bases, like the, all the numbers kind of run away from that. So. Almost works to your advantage as a pitcher, doesn't it? No doubt, no doubt. And, and um, I still can't figure out how to strike people out, but I'm working <laughs> on that. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about the cutter, too. I it, read about that, and I was fascinated, you know, and you read about it. It's just something you, you found mid-game. Mid-game. How does that happen? Like, is that something that you had maybe tweaked or played around with a bit in the offseason or – it, it just kind of all of a sudden there's this epiphany while you're out on the mound, and I'm, I'm going to try this and see what happens. How's that work? You struggle like I struggled for two years <laughs> in Baltimore. <laughs> you start trying to find things, and I just I, I got to a point. We we're middle of August um, against Tampa, and I'm Evan Longoria, great guy, great baseball player, great professional. He hit, he hit a homer, a three-run homer in like the second inning, and, and I was fed up with it. I was trying to go in with a fastball. And I wanted to finish in, and it came back over the plate a little bit, and, and he hit it out. And I went back to the dugout after that inning and was like, I'm never throwing another pitch that's going to come back over the plate. So I, was like, I told Caleb Joseph, who was catching at the time, I'm throwing cutters the rest of the night. I'm going to figure this thing out. And I'm just, I don't think I give up another hit for four innings, struck out like seven guys. I'm like, I got a new toy. <laughs> you know, and just kinda, that was it. It's not supposed to come that easy for pitchers. I mean, it's supposed to take a while to learn a new pitch and, and a lot of tweaking and bullpen sessions and then, all of a sudden, mid-game, boom, you got it. Well, I threw a slider. I'd always, I've always thrown a slider, and I pretty much just X the slider. Can't, same grip, and just threw it as hard as I could. But, I mean, it failed, too. It, it worked for about four starts, and the computers that, I, that, that are tough, there's so many cameras <laughs> watching, as soon as it got out, that I wasn't really throwing it for strikes, and guys stopped swinging at yep. it, my walks went back up. But then that all season, i got to give a lot of credit to my, my pitching coach, Westcott. Um, Chris has helped me. Just learn how to use it, like how to throw, when to throw it for a strike, how to throw it for a strike, we're out in the zone. And um, it's, it's been a good pitch for me since then. But, you know, the, the one thing, and you mentioned your struggles in Baltimore, but, but, but the bottom line is we saw you pitch a great game that one year in interleague play. But, yeah. but, but, the, but the one thing you always did, Wade, that I think so many people have been around a game for a long time. We were talking about this and the whole postseason thing this past year with you know, I, I remember, and you were the Diamondbacks for a short time, when, when you know, Kurt Schilling starting three games in the postseason and going eight innings. You know, right. Randy Johnson starting the other two and coming out of the bullpen and pitching eight innings. And then, again, you know, game seven, here he comes out of the bullpen. You know, and, and you saw that with, with Verlander right. and, and, and those kind of guys taking the ball. No matter how bad it got, you always took the ball and you've always taken 
the ball. Yeah. Is it hard to be a pitcher in this day and age where all of a sudden computers are saying it's time to get him out of there? It's frustrating, yes, at times, especially when you're feeling good. And it was something I had to learn to accept in Milwaukee a little bit because, I mean, that's kind of how they did things. And I, I'm not going to be somebody to go against the grain and say, this, no, we're not going right. to do this. I mean, it's their team. I'm, I'm just trying to do the best I can to help you guys. And uh, so that softened me up a little bit. And, I mean, it's another. I feel like that's why I was fresh throughout the whole year. Obviously, the injury's early. But uh, I don't have to like it. But I, I still think I think we're going to circle back around where – I'm with you. You know, it, yep. it'll, it'll get back to more yep. traditional baseball with a little with a mix instead of going so full bore analytical. And I think you need that. But I mean, there's so much information out there. It's it's really good information. Just learning the right way to use it is so important. What do you like? I mean, you, you're a guy that's just kind of a grinder guy. You like to figure things out. Clearly, you figure things out on your own. You learned your best pitch kind of on the fly. Uh, wh what is it? What, where do you think all this stuff's maybe helped you out a little bit? Or what what do you like about the advancements in the game? I mean, if I could have it my way, I would go back and play in 1930 where, <laughs> you know. I, like, well, you're my kind of man, uh, Wade. You're my kind of man. Um, I'm not good at math. I've never been good at school. I've never been good at stuff <laughs> like that. I've uh, never really wanted to put the effort in. I put, it, I put all my eggs in the baseball basket when I was four, and thank goodness it worked four. out. Four? I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Four? I, I've been chasing all right, it since four, I was four. All right, all right, all right. And uh, I don't know what else I would have done, so it's worked out for me. But, yeah, I like old school baseball. I like, I mean. The stuff that people don't like these days, I like throwing at guys when they make they make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I like I like the love David Bell. I love what David Bell does. Uh, yeah. I, so you know, I, I like that part of it. Like I feel like an umpire needs to get yelled at every now and again for the right reason, and uh, just makes the game fun. But well, you're I missing out on a little bit of that every now and again. Thank you, preaching to the baseball choir here, oh and, and certainly in Reds country as well. That's great stuff. Yeah. Wait, thanks so much again. Thanks, congratulations. Thank you guys. Appreciate we look forward to watching Thank you. you. All right. The newest Red, Wade Miley, joining us. This is the Reds Hot Stove League. Don't go anywhere. Nick Crawl, Reds president and general manager, coming up next. This is the Reds Hot Stove League, and we are back live in a moment from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser and UDF.